0: Normally, on the Tech Emergence podcast, if we're talking about artificial intelligence as it applies to cell phones, we're either talking about some research project or a startup company. It's rare that we get to speak with folks who work at Fortune 500 companies. Uh, Mazin Gilbert is an intelligence systems researcher at the uh, telecom giant AT&T. Uh, he's an electrical engineering PhD and a Wharton MBA. And in this particular episode, he breaks down some of AT&T's efforts to make their system intelligent. AT&T obviously has a little bit of a more robust budget than your average startup company, and they have a lot of assets to manage. So how can they train their system, their network, to route traffic through the right nodes uh, on holidays when maybe certain areas of traffic, certain towers in, in general, Uh, frequently get overloaded around certain holidays? How can the system itself adjust and route traffic elsewhere? Similarly, how can the system know, based on signals from the hardware, which pieces of hardware might be going bad, or corroding, or falling apart, and might need replacing in a sooner time scale than maybe was imagined beforehand and how can it notify the company to go out and get that job done making the network aware is an awful large challenge for AT&T with as, as many assets as they have out in the field um, but it's an interesting one and it's curious to be able to hear uh, what are the economic and business pressures that are driving AT&T to implement AI on such a large scale and exactly how are they doing it and Mazin gives us a good deal of insight in this episode so without further ado we'll hop right in So Mazin, um, I want to start off with sort of where AI is is being applied today in, in bigger industry. Obviously, you've been with AT&T for quite some time. And you had mentioned off mic that machine learning is being applied to network uh, services. So in other words, how how well our phone is getting service. I think intuitively, we would not imagine that machine learning is part of that process. How is that being applied in this industry?
1: So we, we have... Uh initiated a major transformation in this industry of really transforming the network um, into what we call a software-defined network and Mm. network function virtualization. What that means, our network becomes a software layer uh, that is riding on commodity cloud hardware. And that's how we are able to rapidly create these sort of cloud services. Where machine learning and AI is and will become playing even, even a bigger role in the future is that is how the ability to um, create these the, the systems in our network that helps to make the network self-learn and mm-hmm. self-repair itself. Uh, one of the um, uh, aggravating things for our users is that when when there are uh, cell sites or parts of the network that basically fail. What we're trying to do in this network, the smart network of the future, we are implementing machine learning and AI technologies to help us to quickly identify where these, these breakpoints and down places are and help to repair those automatically in an autonomous, automated way, mm. really without human intervention. So this includes hardware failures, software failures, Basically bringing that together from a user and from a customer view, they didn't know anything wrong has happened during the way, and that's that's really what matters to our user is that how they get that 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 experience on the network uh, at all times with the reliability that they always expect and the security as well
0: for sure, yeah, I mean, you know I think the the you know to speak of the network of the future, I think it's safe to say that at some point, I'm not sure when we will all be drastically surprised if we are anywhere and we do not have perfect phone service. Um, you know, it, it seems like it'll eventually get there, but I think your guys work is how, how do we get there now today for our customers? Cause that's why people want to hang out with you guys is because they're, they're happy with the service and the treatment and, and how well they get, you know, how many bars they have at any given time. When you talk about, a system, you know, I do not understand the nitty-gritty of what is going on in a, a particular, you know, a particular cell that would be, you know, conducting uh, these, these, the, you know, the service for these, these mobile phones or what have you. When you talk about a hardware or a software sort of auto-correcting in real time with machine learning, um, give us some kind of an example of that. You know, what fixes what, what gets detected by what, and how can we call this learning? You know, what's happening here?
1: So, so think about the, the following example. Remember that we are in the business of communication entertainment. And part of that is really connecting people, not with just their phones, but connecting people with basically any end device. That could be your car, it could be your home sensors, it could be your phone, your emerging device. There are many different devices, your television the, the network sort of um, uh, becomes sort of the, 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 the air and the, and the lifeblood behind all of these end devices. The question then becomes where machine learning plays a role in here, yeah. is that um, devices do go down, uh, uh, hardware does go down. Where we're using machine learning is in predicting what hardware, what machines could potentially go down in the next days, weeks, hmm. Months by knowing and making that kind of prediction, it helps us to start, you know, optimizing our traffic and routing our traffic in a way so that when the failure happens, customers will not be impacted.
0: Got it. Okay. Now, might this imply weather interruptions? You know, in terms of predicting a failure, um, is this okay? You know, this particular piece of equipment in this particular tower out somewhere. You know, that thing's been installed there for fifteen years, and to be frank, any given month you know, uh, until that, that thing gets repaired, this one's most likely to go down. Is it, is it thinking about, um, or is the, the, is the machine factoring in, um, you know, the given weather, weather patterns. Okay. Over time, this area outside of Boston, you know, at a storm of this kind of severity, we're going to have some issues. We should plan for this and plan to route things this way. Um, what are the factors that it is accounting for that might create that downtime that it can really learn from? There are many factors, and again, this is an area we continue to explore, okay? Sure. Yep.
1: Um, the uh, There are many factors that drive failure, um, and failure on our cloud, in some cases, some some particular machine, um, a physical or a virtual machine. One of them are environmental, as you mentioned. Yep. Um, one of them are prediction of heavy congested traffic mother's day is tomorrow wow you know that the traffic is going to increase by several folds. some of them (laughs) are signals we're getting from machines that are sort of indicating to potential future fail just like when you look at your computer today sometimes you see your computer is, is running a little slow and things are starting to be a little funny these are signals that something is gonna happen, something is bad is gonna happen in the near future. So we're trying to collect a lot of these signals and being able to make a prediction of how do we identify these failures and ultimately how do you optimize our traffic because what matters at the end our customers should not be impacted, whether it's weather-related, whether it is traffic-related, congestion-related, or any of these other factors.
0: No, for, for sure. And I, I think I, I like getting the perspective of, of business as well. We do get to talk to entrepreneurs and folks in the business world, too, because there's just different constraints and, and different considerations than there would be in a laboratory. You know, for you, like you said, no matter how you slice it, up, down, or sideways – In addition to learning and getting better, really your purpose is maintaining your customer relationships and ensuring that these people are treated well because that's, that's how you guys, you know, get your, you know, that, that's how you guys kind of stay, stay where you are. So, um, so there's a lot of pressure to really consistently improve and I think that that can further technology obviously as, as much as academia can. There's a lot of value there. So, okay, so this can factor in, you brought up a great point. I didn't even think about that. Mother's Day, so we're going to have a day of drastically increased, uh, you know, um, traffic, as you had put it. Um, you know, potentially through, you know, FaceTime, potentially through uh, phone. Um, you know, the machine may have some semblance of an understanding of, um, you know, maybe who the holiday callers are, or or what what nodes might get overwhelmed the fastest, and what need what might need to get routed through the fastest, given where else the business might happen and things along those lines and, and ensure like you said in real time in some way okay when did this happen before or what's most likely to happen and how should we set up the network and route the traffic you know tomorrow let's say for, for mother's day so the machine could we say the machine is thinking through the problems of tomorrow uh, you know a, as they're happening
1: absolutely and i think that's what's really exciting and powerful about machine learning and more generally AI um, is that it's not about that something is happening right now. When we know when something happens or happened, it's too late. Yeah. It's too late. Now yeah, we're yeah. taking quick measures to address these issues. Yep. The exciting thing about this area is to really create an autonomous and intelligent network where we foresee and predict these events from happening before they happen yeah they take measures to mitigate those issues before they become disasters
0: I I, I like it a lot I mean I, I think I think it's uh it's just it's just fascinating clearly there's a bit of a barrier to entry to build a system that's this robust and, and complex and it, I cannot imagine you know a fellow like yourself with a, with an MBA and a PhD in in, uh, in artificial intelligence I mean There's got to be a lot of folks like yourself to be able to set up something and manage something that's at this degree of complexity. But like you said, when you have it for a company to have the advantage of being able to solve those potential traffic and routing problems and essentially you you folks, I mean, you know, the the advantage now is that you have a, a degree of not only like predictive analytics, but a machine that can predict and sort of fix problems. Um, but before they're happening as well, so you, they're it's able to model that out and to prepare for issues before their issues by learning from previous experience and calibrating different factors like holidays and weather and whatever else. So that's that's quite intriguing in terms of the the network services and, and the, the the connectivity, for lack of better terms, of of folks' phones um, and whatever media they're working with. The other side of this that I know you mentioned before is in Uh, more the contact centers and the customer service side of things, you know, intuitively there as well. I guess I can imagine to some degree how AI could be involved, but how how is AI being used on the customer service side to improve uh, that experience and that aspect of the business too?
1: So the exciting part here is that we are deploying and exploring how AI plays a role at scale. I think that's the exciting part. Yeah, yeah, yeah two aspects there is the scale part of looking at it in a massive way um, um, across a lot of our data centers a lot of our traffic and the other one which is really exciting what this is allowing us to do with this revolution of compute and data is that we are now able to look at events much closer to real time what used to be in the past things that take weeks, months before we identify issues and anomalies that are happening in our service or our contact centers.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, you got to, you know, back in the old days, I imagine, you know, the end of the, the end of the week rolls around and, and the, the, the managers get some kind of a tabulated set of how many of each kind of issue uh, came in and maybe, maybe some semblance of what percentage of those were handled within a certain time frame, whatever the case may be. And then the, The managers call the other managers and they brainstorm ideas to, to improve. And, and you can see how that would, uh, over time, you know, potentially, you know, again, get a pulse for what the patterns are and and maybe improve the systems and maybe be able to notice that and, and, and improve that. But of course, that would take weeks. You'd be implementing and training folks in different ways. Um, what are some lighter examples in some way of, of what, what we're factoring in and, and how machine learning can improve customer service faster than some kind of managerial process like that.
1: So so, so let me give you a couple of interesting examples cool. here. One is with uh, um, uh, with our consumers is that we have implemented these large-scale machine learning tech capabilities that allow us to pull data from our um, co- contacts, from our chat operations and our voice operations. And we're able to Process this data, apply machine learning capabilities to make predictions. So, and 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 basically do that almost in near real time and mm. provide that intelligence to um, our managers, to our supervisors, hundreds of these supervisors, okay, looking at this, monitoring basically what is going on and identifying anomalies. The kind of things they're interested in is that were my customers happy or not? And when I put them on hold. Did, did that cause them to be unhappy because I put them on hold while I'm looking at a transaction or not? And how did their satisfaction overall, are they going to call me again? Are they going to chat with me again? Did, did my agent solve their problem the first time? So this is where we're using machine learning to be able to predict what is our, the customer's satisfaction while you're having that transaction? What is their sentiment? What is their emotion? Are they going to be contacting us again? There's, there's a large number of these predictive capabilities that we are doing, and we're able to do with that at a scale and very close to, to near real time so yeah. that our managers can take actions fairly drastically, very quickly.
0: Big big time, yeah. And, and I can see – you know um, intuitively, I can see how you'd be able to use that information to, to again, like you said, make, make decisions. So people are noticing particular patterns. Um, you know, there's something going on with a particular kind of issue where, um, you know, th- the, these problems are lasting far longer on the phone on the, in the aggregate in a certain geographic area than they normally would. Something must be going on in a deeper, you know, a deeper kind of a sense there. Whatever the case may be, a manager can look at that and do something about that. Is, is the machine, um, other than conveying that information and detecting those patterns and finding those trends um, and presenting that to a manager... Is the machine editing anything? In other words, I'm just throwing out a totally random example, probably doesn't apply. But, you know, um, would, would the would the machine maybe change some of the procedure? So in other words, if, if normally when people are put on hold about a certain problem, we really notice a lot of them, you know, are hanging up or they're just not feeling great about it, it's not the, the good experience. Is it adjusting that so that uh, the, the the next step for the customer support personnel is not put them on hold but do blank you know is it is it making changes in the procedure in real time or is it is it feeding this to managers and then they're able to assess it and then make changes
1: so today where we are today in terms of deployed services are are really providing that intelligence to a large spectrum of managers and supervisors and they're using that to take actions okay the machine is also doing something a little more than that the machine is also learning in this exercise because the machine cannot be – one of the things that I'm sure you, you realize with AI and machine learning is that you can't be creating these predictive models on large data and the models remain static because they become obsolete after a while. Yeah, the, the, One of the challenging things, and that's what we are working on and trying to do this at a scale, the machine has to continuously learn. So we're doing two things. One is that the machine has to continuously learn every day of the week. That's number one, because the the patterns of our traffic, the language in our traffic, the problems that people are reporting to, the the challenges, the opportunities are changing continuously. And the second thing is sort of what you said is that we're trying to sort of what we call close the loop, okay? We're trying to figure out where are the opportunities where the machine can actually take the action without really... Bringing one of the managers in because that's an action that we have identified a policy to say we allow the machine to take this action versus no we're going to allow basically a manager to look at this yeah. before an action is taken.
0: Got it. So so in in the future right now this this uh, uh, aggregate machine intelligence is, is is sort of pouring over all the data and all the sentiment and and you know if there's any company that has access to a lot of it it would be a you know a big a big player in the communication space like AT&T. You have a lot of volume. Um, it's able to take this information, give it to folks who can make realistic changes. Maybe the future of, of these kinds of technologies in maybe five or 10 years, it sounds like, might be um, you know changing in real time maybe what step two and step three are in solving this particular problem with this particular service. Because we can tell uh, by changes in sentiment and satisfaction, and how long it takes to handle the call, that this is a better way of solving it. And so, in real time, the machine might um, you know change a particular procedure or or how it's being handled a particular geographic area or something like that. Is that an example of what the future may hold?
1: absolutely so 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 really, what we're doing is that we're using this this, this this new technology and the data that we have to really improve our products and our services uh, by really analyzing them in ways that we couldn't have done before. The reason why we couldn't have done this before, because to be able to ingest and process volume of data, pick yeah. it up, ingest it, process it, in very close to real time, requires tremendous compute, storage, and bandwidth. Yeah, and that's changed. We are now in an era where, where we are able to process and compute and store and have the bandwidth that allow us to do these things basically at scale and come out with decisions very rapidly. So it's a very exciting in in, in that sense.
0: For sure, yeah, and and I've heard a lot of uh, folks in the artificial intelligence realm mention that that some of the advancements are you know better algorithms and different theoretical approaches and and. Uh, and, and things along those lines. But but much of what we're now permitted to do, particularly with, quote unquote, big data is is we're we're finally, you know, for some of the folks that have been in AI for a long time, finally able to really, you know, for lack of better terms, crunch the numbers because the raw computing power required is so massive. Um, but at, but at this point, you know, the brute force of computing is is at a level where, you know, as you're mentioning, you can take the sentiment of a million phone calls uh, to, to service centers and, and be able to, to, you know like you said, a- analyze that potentially in real time. And it sounds like at some point in the future, just like your networks and, and your, your connections between uh, the towers or whatever the case may be uh, for, for people's service, just like those are preparing, adjusting, and calibrating given the events and the weather and whatever else, it sounds like in the future, even the customer service side may be able to, to adjust and learn and change the procedures of the facility in real time depending on what is getting us the best result uh, for the customer, the you company. You're
1: absolutely right, Dan. And, and I'll add one more interesting example yeah. here. As you know that one of the things that we do to serve our customers is that we have a, a, a fleet management where we send technicians to to people's houses to, to fix, to to install, uh, for a lot of these basic purposes. One of the things that we've actually noticed is that um, a, a, you know a portion of our fleet what happens is that they're there, you know, while they are driving to the customer's house is that their battery fails and when a battery fails, okay. And there's a lot oh. of those that happen. When a battery fails in a, in a van and guess what happens is that the, the technician is stuck, the customer yeah. is upset yeah. and it costs us also money from our side to go and you know tow that car and fix that car. So another place where we've actually, really applying the predictive analytics and the machine learning and the AI technology today is to be able to predict those failures before they happen. We're able to fix and change those batteries before they fail a day, a week, a month before they fail. It's causing, it's helping us to save a tremendous amount of, it's a tremendous amount of saving from our side. But most importantly, it's that we are not, we're really creating that, that, Better customer experience because when they're expecting a technician to show up at ten o'clock, they're expecting that technician to show up at ten o'clock and not one o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now we're helping to to meet those sort of uh, uh, requirements and those demands, you know, in a prompt
0: way. Big time, and and just to clarify that as we wrap up here, um, in terms of predicting battery failures in cars, you know, it seemed like maybe the way to do that is you'd have to have a detector. Uh, somewhere in in each of these uh, vans, in order to to sort of be monitoring them in real time, is it is it different than that? In other words, is it uh, is it in fact something else? Are they are they just looking at the the miles and and age and the last battery change in the car? What is being used to predict something like that? It would seem like you would just need a, a some kind of a monitor under the hood, but maybe it's different.
1: So so there are based on what we have found is that there are many. Elements and signals that actually can indicate a battery failure. Okay, and there are many of those signals. We are in our fleet, we are adding what we call them sensors. You call them monitor, but there are several sensors that we add in the van, and those sensors provide signals. And we have these machine learning and AI technologies that allow us to ingest those signals and predict failures. Got the way it. we know that is because there's been failures in the past. So we learn
0: yeah. from the past
1: to predict the future before failures happen. Big time.
0: Okay, got it, got it. So you can use sensors essentially within these vehicles. It might not be really obvious. It's not like the, the machine is conked out a hundred times. There's some little pitters and patters and trends that are happening uh, with with the, the signals from this battery well before the actual failure, and you guys can set up a red flag before that ever happens by, by looking at the failures of the past. So that's, that's rather curious. Um, and, and, and
1: Dan, you got that, and, and maybe in the future, not in, the, in, the, in the near future, not only we're able to do that because we're starting to think about that and do some of those in the internet of things, but as far as the car is concerned, the example that we talked about, in the future, not only we're able to use the AI to detect the battery failure, which we do that today, and not only to repair that but we are able to have that car that van going on its own in an autonomous way with with the with the autonomous cars to go and repair itself in the shop you know we're really without us and without technicians being in them yeah that
0: would be that would be pretty darn cool i'll be i'll be i'll be waiting for uh, i'll be waiting for that day mazina the, uh, you know A lot of the folks that we bring on are, are in the research domain. I do love hearing of research, but I, I love hearing of the applications in, in the, the real moving and shaking business world as well. So this has been a real blast. And as you know, I want to say a, a big thank you for being able to share your insights and what's happened at at and with us here at Tech Emergence.
1: Thank you, Dan. It was a pleasure talking to you. We appreciate you inviting us here.
0: That wraps up today's episode here on the Tech Emergence podcast. And thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to stay in touch with our latest interviews with C-level executives, top researchers, and thinkers in the domains of AI and the intersection of technology and intelligence, then make sure to subscribe here on iTunes or visit us on our main website at techemergence.com where you can see all of our interviews broken down by category, as well as articles, news, market research, and trends in artificial intelligence. If you found this episode particularly thought-provoking, feel free to leave your thoughts in a review here on iTunes, or you can feel free to reach out to us at our main website. Thanks as always for tuning in and I'll catch you next week.